Amen. Can we put our hands together one more time for our Pathfinder? Our Pathfinders. So thankful. I want to thank uh, Brother Neil and his staff. <laughs> Walking right there right now uh, for their dedication and uh, just for all they do. Um, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> and even as parents, it's not easy, right? Bringing your kids out and sending them out. But we are thankful for the support of these young people. And we pray that you will continue to, uh, to support them. As a matter of fact, uh, this week, I believe, uh, are they all going? Oh, okay. Most of them, at least. Uh, this week, there is a camporee, a Southern Union camporee at Camp Kalakwa. And so beginning at Wednesday, on Wednesday... They'll be there, and uh, we trust that it will be a blessing for them. And then in 2024, in 2024, the international, our international camporee in Gillette, Wyoming. Gillette, it's no longer Oshkosh. <laughs> Oshkosh is a location. It was, it took, it, the, the camporee kind of took on the name of the location, but it's been moved to Gillette, Wyoming, and I was out there not long ago, and uh, toured the facilities and saw what they have in store for us and it's going to be amazing and even the trip there you know i'll, I'll tell you this much uh, i flew into denver colorado and then from denver took a smaller plane a smaller plane not that small but smaller plane right into gillette now if you have a smaller club you can take the plane but if you choose to drive from denver to Gillette, there's some sites that you'll be able to see in between, you know, Mount Rushmore. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. There's a few things there to be able uh, to experience. And so we're hoping and we're praying that the Capital City Panthers will be at Gillette, Wyoming. Amen, somebody. Amen. Amen. By God's grace. I bring you greetings this morning. Is it morning? Yes. I bring you greetings this morning on behalf of the Florida Conference Administration, uh, Dr. Alan Machado, uh, who, by God's grace, will be elected back into service tomorrow. Uh, our executive secretary, uh, Dr. Tim Goff, also, and our chief financial officer, Pastor Elisa Ramming, and also from Pedro Perez, our Pathfinder and Adventurer uh, Director. I'm his associate director, and we are so happy uh, for what's happening here at Tallahassee First. And we pray, we're praying God's blessing. This is a beginning. I mean, you didn't burn the church down. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's a good thing. So, so, so we know that good things are happening here. There's a theme. Do you all know the theme for the Pathfinder Club this year? Did you share that with the church? Does the church know the theme? Can I share the, the theme? The theme of the Pathfinder Club is one-man army, an army of the one. Can you figure that out? <laughs> A one-man army, an army of the one. In light of that theme, I'd, I want to share a message with you today that I'm taking from the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. I'm going to, I don't know if you can, can you read that with me? I'm going to read it for you. 
in your hearing, and as, you, as I read, you read along. 1 Samuel chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, it would be good to open them up or turn them on. <laughs> or you could just look at the screen. 1 Samuel chapter 13, beginning at verse 15. The Bible says, this is the New King James Version. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600 men. Verse 16, Saul, Jonathan, his son, and the people present with them remained of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped at Michmash. Let's go to the next slide. Verse 17, then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned onto the road to Orpha, to the land of Shual. Another company turned to the road to Beth Horon, and another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zibion toward the wilderness. Next slide. Verse 19, now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his matak, his axe, and his sickle. Next slide, please. And the charge for a sharpening was a pim for the plowshares, the maddocks. I like that one better. <laughs> huh? It's going in and out. All right. This, okay, gotcha. Can, can you give me a little volume on this? And the, there you go. And the charge for, the, for a sharpening was a pim for the plowshares, the maddocks, the forks, and the axes and to set the points of the goals. So it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son. I want to share a message with you that I've entitled, next slide, just one sword. Just one sword. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for this, your holy Sabbath day. We want to thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for this Pathfinder emphasis today. And we thank you for another opportunity to look into your word. We're asking that your Holy Spirit will come by here now and give us understanding, give us clarity, but most of all, give us a willingness to obey your word, to live for Jesus, because we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just, just one sword. Just one sword. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 13, the people of God were in the middle of a war. No, you can, 
just please leave. Yeah, I'll tell you when to change. Don't, <laughs> don't go ahead of me. <laughs> and so the people of God were in the middle of a war. Saul had recently become king. But Israel was being controlled by the Philistines. And the Philistines had established several uh, strategic military outposts in Israel's territory. Now, seeking to break loose from their control, Saul chose 3,000 men of Israel to fight against the Philistines. 2,000 of them were with Saul and another 1,000 with Jonathan, his son in a separate location. This is according to 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 2. Now, Jonathan and his 1,000 men defeated a group of Philistines in the town of Gibeah. And when the rest of the Philistines heard of it, they gathered their armies together to fight with Israel. Verse 5 tells us that there were 30,000 or 3,000 chariots, uh, depending on the translation, 6,000 horsemen, and people or foot soldiers that could not be numbered as the sand of the sea. This was the Philistine army. So there were 3,000 Israelites against over, or rather against uh, possibly over 36,000 Philistines. 3,000 against 36,000. Next slide. 1 Samuel chapter 13 verse 6 says, When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. They hid. Most of Israel's army went AWOL, absent without leave, away from their assigned position, without official permission. So they ran and hid themselves, and only 600 men remained with Saul. Next slide. Verse 19. Now there were no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. We read that, right? So this tells us that there were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel. Now a blacksmith, a blacksmith, shall I quiz you on that? A blacksmith was someone who made or repaired or uh, iron or other metal objects such as horseshoes. You've seen it in the movies, right? Yeah, blacksmith. The Philistines had shut down all the blacksmith shops in Israel and carried away the blacksmiths. They also banned anyone in Israel from taking up the trade of working in brass or iron. And not having any blacksmiths resulted in Israel not having the ability to properly arm themselves. They could not make swords or spears. And this was a well-thought-out plan by the enemy to purposely keep Israel down, 
to make sure they were not equipped for battle, not equipped for hand-to-hand combat. So by removing those skilled workers and keeping others from learning how to do or participate in doing what the blacksmiths did, the enemy kept them down. Can I repeat that? I said by removing those skilled workers and keeping others from learning how to do or participate in doing what the blacksmiths did, the enemy kept them down. And today, today our enemy continues the same tactic. He wants to cripple the church by making sure that we are not equipped for battle. He wants to make sure that the gifts that Jesus has given to the church are not being used. It was a bad situation. Israel was outnumbered. They originally had 3,000 soldiers, but most of them ran away, and now there were only 600. The enemy had 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and foot soldiers that could not be numbered, couldn't be counted. Israel did not have proper equipment, no chariots, no horses. Whatever happens, or rather whatever weapons, whatever weapons they had were inferior. Maybe they had clubs, slingshots. But they had no swords or spears. Only two men. How many men? Only two men possessed such weapons. Saul and Jonathan. Now, I ask you the question. What do you do when you don't have enough? What do you do when you don't have enough manpower? What do you do when you don't have the resources? What do you do when the enemy has successfully used tactics to keep you down? What do you do? What do you do when you don't have the manpower in the church or in the Pathfinder Club? You see, often in churches, often in church, I'm not talking about this church now, Pastor. I'm not, I'm not talking about, the, he has two other churches. I'm not talking about this church. But often in churches, a few always has to carry the load that many should Often in churches, many of the gifts of the church are hidden and buried. Often in churches, many of the soldiers of Christ are hiding out and can't be found after the pandemic. I mean, they can't be found. What do you do when you don't have enough? When you're not equipped due to lack of resources, what do you do? Not being equipped was a problem. I said not being equipped was a problem. But that wasn't their biggest problem. That wasn't their biggest problem. Israel's problem was much worse than that. Next slide. Let me read 1 Samuel chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Read it with me. Now, it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the 
young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison, and that this, that is on the other side, rather. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting on the outskirts of Gibeah under a, what was he doing? Sitting under, sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Listen, there were two swords. How many? There were two swords in Israel. Saul had one and Jonathan had the other. But at the time when he should have been leading the people into battle, Saul was just sitting down under a tree doing nothing. Israel was not equipped. They had no one to make spears or swords for for battle. But that wasn't their biggest problem. Israel's biggest problem was not the lack of fighting men. Israel's biggest problem was not the lack of resources and equipment. What they lacked was faith in God. I said what they lacked was faith in God. Faith among the leaders and the people. Next slide. Their biggest problem was that they did not believe that God was able to handle their situation. They didn't. Let me, let me talk to I said their biggest problem. Their biggest problem was that they were, they did not believe that God was able to handle their situation. You see, when our problems become bigger than God, that's when we're, we really have problems. Let me talk to somebody online. When our problems become bigger than God, that's when we really have problems. When all we see are the problems of life, when, when we pay more attention to the problems instead of the problem solver, when we forget who God is and what he's able to do, when we forget what he has done for us in the past, that's when we really have problems. And then we can't even utilize what God has already given us for the battle. Saul had a sword, but he did nothing with it. Saul had a sword, but he did nothing with it. Do you have a sword? (laughs) Do you have a sword? Do you have something that God has equipped you with? What are you doing with it? What are you doing with that which the Lord has given you? Next slide. Jesus has what? Jesus has blessed each of us with a gift to be used in battle for him. Jesus has blessed each of us. I'm talking to you young people. He's blessed each of you, each of us with a gift to be used. A gift to be used in battle for him. But instead of using our gifts, some are hiding in holes. 
hiding their gifts. And others are just sitting down doing nothing. Having skilled individuals and equipment for the battle is desired, Pastor. I said having skilled individuals and equipment for the battle is desired. Next slide. Next slide. (laughs) I didn't push the button hard enough. (laughs) But the greatest need is for someone to be willing to step out in faith with the little that they have for the cause of God. That's the greatest need. That's, That's our greatest need. The greatest need is for someone to believe that the battle is not ours but the Lord's. The greatest need is for someone to, uh, to believe that the Lord is able to save by many or by few. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Yeah. Verse 6. Then, verse uh, of chapter 14. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be. That the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by a few. How many of you believe that? Jonathan said, listen. Let's try. (laughs) You see, not having the right weapons was a challenge. Yes, Jonathan had had armor. He had a sword, but it was just one sword. It was just one sword against an entire army. But God would show how his people, or rather God would show his people how and what he could do with just one sword. Let me read. Don't change the slide. I'm just reading. (laughs) First Samuel chapter 4, verses 17 through 15. I'm just going to read. I I didn't put all of this on, but I'm going to read. Follow along. We're going to go from verse 7 to 15. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then. Here I I am with you according to your heart. Have mercy. You didn't get that part. Uh, Jonathan, you're going to go? I'll go too. Then Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you. Then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. Verse 10. But if they say to us, or rather if they say thus, come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. Verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look. The Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Verse 12. Then the men of the garrison said, or rather called Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him. And they, and, and they fell before Jonathan, and as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. Verse 14, 
that the first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men within about a half an acre of land. And there was trembling in the camp and in the field and among the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked so that it was a very great trembling. <laughs> listen to this, listen to this. So, so, so Jonathan now, Jonathan attacks one of the groups of raiders and is victorious over all of them, about 20 of them. When, news, when the news got back to the Philistine camp, there was trembling in the camp, in the field and among the people. There was an uneasy feeling. They were not sure what was happening. Uh, the other raiders who were sent out also became fearful. Then it happened. There was an earthquake. You know, there's always an earthquake. God loves to use earthquakes. There was an earthquake, and everybody panicked, and there was great confusion. People started to kill each other, and the massive armed forces of the Philistine began to melt away. God gave his people the victory. And one man's faith, listen to me, one man's faith in the Lord's ability to save his people made the difference. One man's willingness to go up against an entire army made the difference. One man's willingness to use his one sword made the difference. Next slide. How'd you get there? I, I. <laughs> one, there is a, one man's willingness to be used by God with the little that he had made the difference. What are you doing? What are you doing with the little that you have? Listen, God can do wonders with what we consider to be little or nothing. He takes our weaknesses and turns them into strengths for his cause. You didn't get that. I said, he takes our weaknesses. You know, the thing, you know, we feel, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to do that. I'm not smart enough. I, I'm not strong enough. He takes our weaknesses and he turns them into strengths for his cause. He can take our lowest abilities, the lowliest things that we bring to him and do wonders, do wonders for his glory. What we consider to be ordinary becomes extraordinary when we turn it over to God. Okay, I, I remember when David went up against Goliath. Remember that? When David went up against Goliath, he had nothing but a slingshot and five smooth stones in his hands. But God used them to slay a giant and deliver his people. When, do you remember when creditors threatened to take away the sons of a widow? She went to Elisha, the man of God, for help. He asked her the question, what do you have? She said, I have nothing except a jar of oil. But God multiplied the oil and debts were paid. Bills were paid. And she and her sons were sustained. When Jesus wanted to feed some people, Andrew, one of his disciples, said, there is a pathfinder. There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. 
but what are they among so many? In other words, this is nothing in comparison to the great need. But, 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 but Jesus took the five loaves of bread, gave thanks to his father, and began to multiply by division. He multiplied by division. He began to break the bread. That's dividing it, right? He broke the bread, and while he divided it, it multiplied. And over 5,000 were fed, and they still had some bread left over. He multiplied, but I, I can't figure out heavenly math. I said, I can't figure out heavenly math. You see, in earthly math, when you, when you divide, you're taking away. But according to heavenly math, you can divide, and the thing will multiply. When I get to heaven, I'm going to learn some heavenly math. God can do wonders with what we consider to be little or nothing. What do you have in your hands today? If it's nothing, he can deliver you with nothing. He can sustain you with nothing. He can feed you with nothing. He can do wonders with what we consider to be little or nothing. What are you doing with your sword? You know, we didn't have slides for all of you, but some of you have slides. And if you noticed, can I, can I, can I borrow a slide? I'm just going just gonna to point it out. So, so, so on the path, well, I could have I done that, but I'll take it back. <laughs> on the Pathfinder shield right there, right? On, uh, on that patch, what do you see? A shield and a, and a sword, right? Yes. What, what are you doing with your sword? What are you doing with your sword? What are you doing with the little that you have? You see, God is bigger than all of the problems we encounter. He's bigger than all of the challenges we face. And God can save by many or by few. He doesn't need a whole lot of people to accomplish his will. All he wants is just one faithful servant. Just one faithful boy or girl. Just one faithful man or woman. Just one faithful parent or leader. Just one who is willing to step out by faith. Next slide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're with me now. Listen, just one faithful servant is a one-man army for the Lord. Just one faithful servant is a one-man army for the Lord. And an army for the one who saves us. Yeah. Resources may be low. Resor I'm, I, don't worry. I'm finishing up. I'm finishing up. I'm finishing up. Yeah. I'm hungry, too. I'm hungry. <laughs> Resources may be low. There may not be enough manpower. People may be hiding. The pandemic have caused many to scatter. It's caused many to be content with stay-at-home church. They may be hiding their gifts, but all God needs is one faithful servant, one faithful pathfinder. Just one who is willing to take up the challenge in spite of the odds against them. And someone else, listen, someone else will follow when we step out by faith. 
Someone else is going to follow. Listen, Jonathan's faith was contagious. Remember, his armor bearer joined him. When, when he saw Jonathan's faith, it helped him to have faith also. So when Jonathan stepped out by faith, he decided to follow him. When we step out by faith, it's going to, listen, somebody's going to follow you. Next slide, next slide. Jonathan had a sword, but his faith was more powerful than his sword. You didn't get that. Jonathan had a sword, but his faith was more powerful than a sword. As a matter of fact, his faith, the faith of one young man, one young person, was more powerful than all of the weapons of the enemy. You see, faith is a weapon. Faith is a weapon. Listen, the Apostle Paul, don't change the slide on me. <laughs> don't change the slide. <laughs> I'm just reading. The Apostle Paul talks about the armor of God in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, right? Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 13 through 18. Listen to what it says. Listen to what it says. Therefore, there, wait a minute. Maybe, I don't know. No, no, don't check the next slide. Yeah, check the next slide. Check the next slide. Go back. Go back, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. <laughs> I got you. confuse me now. But I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18. I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure. This is what Paul says, this is what Paul says. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with what? With truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith which, uh, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So watch this. Paul says that the word of God is like a sword. And that's usually uh, uh, considered an offensive weapon. Right? He also talks about faith, but not as an offensive weapon. Next slide. He talks about faith as a defensive weapon, a shield that is able to block and put out fiery darts or fiery arrows as the enemy shoots at us, right? That's, how, that, 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 that's the illustration that, he's, that he gives of, a, of the shield. So, so in this illustration, the shield is a defensive weapon. Are you with me? But faith is also an offensive weapon. I said faith is also an offensive weapon. Did you know that? Faith is also an offensive weapon. Hey, next slide. Hey, next slide. You all know, even Captain America, his shield, right? He doesn't use it only for blocking bullets. He throws that thing and hits people. With it. Right? So, 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 so we know that a shield can be also a 
offensive weapon. And so watch this. Faith is also an offensive weapon. Jesus said faith can move mountains. And Jesus said that all things are possible for the one who believes or the one who has faith. In other words, incredible things can be accomplished through faith. And we can have faith in many things, even ourselves. But when we have faith in God, when we have faith in the power of God, nothing is impossible. And that's the kind of faith that Jonathan had. He didn't know what would happen. He didn't know how God would deliver him, but he believed that God could deliver him. And he believed that God would deliver him. And he had faith in God, and therefore he was able to overcome. And according to 1 John, oh, I'm finishing up now. According to verse John, chapter 5 and verses uh, 4 and 5, it is our faith in Jesus that enables us to overcome. Yeah, next slide. <laughs> Amen, somebody. <laughs> For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. That's faith in action. That's faith being used as an offensive weapon. We can overcome all things through Jesus Christ. And listen to what it says, young people. He who overcomes the world, who is he? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. You see, it's, all, it's cool to wear the uniform. You know, I, I look good. You know, <laughs> you know where, where's your scarf? All right. it, it, it's cool to be a pathfinder and an adventurer. By God's grace, right? It's going to be going, right? Even the ministries. But unless we have faith in Jesus, Unless we believe in Jesus. As a matter of fact, let me throw this in. Let me throw this in. I'm, I'm, I'm finished. <laughs> you have no more verses to put, no more slides to put, to put up except for one last one. Go ahead. You can put that up. You can put that up. You can put that up. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can put that up. You can put that up. But let me, let, let me throw this in as I close. I'm, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm closing. But I got to say this. I got to say this. Uh, we're talking about faith. And I'm going right to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. You, uh, you, you, know, the, you know the verse. I'm going to read it. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. Verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God. Here are those who keep the commandments of God. Here are those who keep the commandments of God. And the faith of Jesus. You see, oh, we, we stop at the commandments of God. We stop at the commandments of God. And the faith of Jesus. Or faith in Jesus. Faith of Jesus. Faith in, what, what, what was the faith of Jesus? 
What faith did Jesus have? Huh? What faith did Jesus have? I'm finishing now. I'm done. I said I was done, but I'm, I'm, going, I'm going on to another text. I'm going on to another text. I'm going on to another text. Where am I? I'm in, I'm in Matthew. I'm in the book of Matthew. I'm in the book of Matthew. I'm in the book of Matthew. I'm in Matthew chapter 26. I'm in Matthew chapter 26. Listen, listen to the faith of Jesus. Listen to the faith of Jesus as we close. The Bible says, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter, James, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Not as I, if it's possible. In my humanity, I don't want to do this. In my humanity, in my in my humanity, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be separated from you eternally because that's the view that he was getting. So if it's possible, let me not have to go through this. If it's possible, let me stay home because there's just too much mess going on. If it's possible, I don't want to be a part of this club. I don't want too much work. If it's possible, I, I, I just want to come to church and relax and if it's possible do I have to go and speak to that person am I supposed to love that brother that sister if it's possible I, they get, they're getting on my I'm, they're getting on my nerves if it's possible can't I just be by myself do I have to be around people in this Christianity thing if it's possible Nevertheless, not my will, not my will, but your will be done. I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm going to have faith in your plan. It doesn't look like this thing is going to work out. But I'm going to trust you and have faith in your plan. And Lord, there are times when I feel like I'm all by myself. I'm just, I'm alone. As a, as a matter of fact, I can't tell everybody. But when I want to step out in faith for you, sometimes I, sometimes I can't. I got to be careful who I tell. Jonathan didn't tell his father. But when I step out by faith, I want to step out believing that you're able to handle this thing, whatever it is. And when we have that kind of faith, we're going to make it into heaven. That's the faith of Jesus. We're going to make it, young people. It may look, oh, well, the club seems too small. Are we? No, no, no. All he needs is one. All he needs is one. One. He will deliver. He will bless by many or by few. All he needs is me. 
and you. Would you stand to your feet? Let's pray. We're praying now. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. We're praying. And as we're praying, there may be someone who would raise their hands and say, Pastor, I need a special prayer because I need a closer walk with Jesus. I, I, I need my faith to be strengthened. So while we're praying, if that's your desire, you could just raise your hands at any time. Lord, we come to you today thanking you for Jesus, the one who came to save us, the one, that one who stepped out by faith into this sinful world, leaving heaven in order to save us. Jesus, the one who chose not to give up, even though in his humanity he felt the weakness. He felt that he could not continue with this plan of salvation. But he chose to be faithful to you, and because he was faithful to you, we have salvation. We come in his name today, thanking you, thanking you for the salvation that you offer us, thanking you for the strength that you offer to us, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, and asking you to strengthen our faith and our walk in you. And as we're praying, hands are up, and you see those hands, and you know those hearts. And I'm asking you, as you did for the Father who came and pleaded and said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I'm asking you to help our unbelief today. Strengthen our faith. We want to believe, but our faith is just not strong enough. Strengthen our faith in you. And we pray again for these young people that you would keep them. Lord, in these times, they're going to have to live through things that this world has never seen before or experienced. But you, you've called them now. You've called them to be pathfinders. But most of all, you've called them to be sons and daughters of you. And your desire is that they would believe in Jesus, that they would give their lives to Jesus. I pray that you would bless them, keep them, be with their parents in a special way. Continue to help them to support these young people. And there are others, there are others who need to come out and join them. Bless this church through the power of your Holy Spirit. Bless our Pathfinder leader, Brother Neil. Bless your pastor, Pastor Joey. And we will give you all of the honor, all of the glory, and all of the praises because we ask all of this in the worthy name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.